Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, we are going to continue our series on pleasing God. We just have two more lessons and then we'll finish. The Bible uh, speaks in numbers of uh, places and it talks about pleasing God. And our series has been based on uh, examining these scriptures specifically and uh, coming to a conclusion. What does God say about how to please uh, God? Okay, I want to get some scriptures uh, this morning. Tom Kays, if you'll read First uh, John 3, uh, 19 through uh, 21. Uh, and then Josh is going to read First John 3, 22 through 24. That's our main scripture this morning. Got lots of uh, other scriptures here. Jeff Cooper, 1 John 3, 22. The first time, Gary Basham, 1 John 3, 22. The second time, over here, Don Galati, Proverbs uh, 15, 29. Owen, can you read 1 Peter 3, 12? Um, uh, Bear, Psalm 66, 18. Uh, Robert Gill, can you read uh, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2? I need some other people to read. Mac McCarty, Isaiah 1, 15. Tim Miller, Proverbs 28, 9. Ken Herman, uh, Genesis 3, 5. Luke Solano, Exodus 12, 12. Uh, Who is that back there? I can't see. Rob. Uh, Rob Kennard, uh, Matthew 6, 9. Uh, over here, Mick Woodcock, Ephesians 4, verse 30. Uh, Noel Tossing, Mark 11, 24 through 26. Kelly, 1 Peter 3, 7. And one more back there, 1 John 3, 23. That'll be Reese. Okay, let's, uh, let's go right into our main verse. This scripture that we're going to talk about has to do with pleasing God and answered prayer. So it is both uh, telling us what pleases God, but specifically we're going to be looking at the consequence of pleasing God, which is our prayers are answered. First John 3, 19 through 21, then 22 through 24. And by this we know greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Whatever we ask, we receive from him, keep his commandments, do those things that are pleasing. Okay, pleasing God and answered prayer. I want to talk, uh, first of all, we want to lay a foundation. And uh, our scripture uh, presents a, uh, a positive, and that is answered prayer. But to understand what is going on, we have to look at the negative, which is hindered prayers. And uh, we're going to start there. So think about, first of all, just the uh, incredible privilege of what the Bible calls uh, prayer. 1 John 3, 22, the first time. Okay, whatever we ask, here is the, the essence of prayer is simply asking God. It is not a matter of uh, sounding spiritual and uh, saying large uh, theological words. It is simply the 
the petition or the heart cry uh, of a person calling on God and asking of God. And the Bible says that we can make a connection with God. Powerless people. We have uh, uh, problems or situations that we may be facing in, in our families, our finances, health, uh, whatever situation, your job, uh, in, in whatever it might be, we lack power. And the Bible says you could make a connection. You could ask God and uh, you, it will connect you to all of the resources of Almighty God. Our scripture says whatever we ask. Okay. But what we have to face here is that there is a connection between pleasing God and answered prayer. Because, of course, we have to face the uh, question is, why are not all prayers answered? Obviously, that is a, a huge question. We're not facing every aspect uh, of that. But uh, look at First John three twenty-two again, the second time. Okay, so this presents this in a positive light, is pleasing God. The Bible says, we have confidence, you can ask, God will give you whatever, and he says, because, or it is connected to. It is not all by itself in a vacuum, I ask, I get. The Bible says, this is connected to, we please God, and prayers are answered. So if that be true, then we can infer from that, logically, that the opposite is true. That is that disobedience or not pleasing God hinders uh, our prayers, or in other words, disobedience blocks our answers to prayer. Proverbs 15, 29. Okay, we're going to get just a number of scriptures here in which it lays out repeatedly this scripture. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Here are the two options. God can either deliberately distance himself from you. In other words, I will not answer or I will answer. And that is a, uh, uh, determined by our conduct. First Peter 3, verse 12. Okay, so here is the, both the positive and the negative. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. In other words, he is waiting or wanting to help righteous people, but then he presents the opposite. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Psalm 66, verse 18. Okay, now here is a condition of prayer. David says, if I regard iniquity, in other words, if I hold on to disobedience, then the Lord will not hear me. And let's, uh, let's, uh, a question that I've been asked uh, often over the years is it, is it possible that we are, uh, uh, doing something wrong and we don't know it? In other words, we have no clue that we're doing something wrong and therefore that is blocking our prayers. I suppose that technically that could be true, but let's be honest. Most of us, our problem is not we don't know what we're doing wrong. <laughs> Okay, this scripture says, if I regard it, in other words, I know what I'm doing and I don't want to quit it because I like it. I want it. I'm holding on. The Bible says, then the Lord will not uh, hear me. Psalms 59, 1 and 2. Okay, this is uh, written to uh, the Jewish people in this time. Uh, they're experiencing judgment as a nation. 
And their complaint or their question is, why isn't God helping us? And it is two simple things. Is it because he's deaf? In other words, can he hear me when I'm asking? Or is his arm too short? In other words, is the problem simply too big? Because I, I can't. I see what's going on. I hear you, but I can't fix it. And the scripture presents him a, a foundational principle of prayer. God is neither deaf nor powerless. That is not the problem. But he says your iniquities have separated. There is distance between you and God that is caused by uh, uh, iniquity or how you are living. One uh, or two more verses. Isaiah 115. Okay, so here is, uh, uh, again, writing, to the, Isaiah is speaking, giving a message from God, and uh, God is speaking about the way that they're living. He says, I will not, I deliberately will not help. And one more, Proverbs 28, 9. Okay, and this translation uh, says, if you refuse to obey what you've been taught, your prayers will not be heard. Okay, I've given you a, a broad uh, cross-section. There are many more scriptures that state the same principle over and over again. And that is, disobedience blocks. That means we can be asking, which is what our scripture said, whatever you ask... But now there is something stopping it, and the Bible says that is disobedience. All right, that is all through Scripture. This is just a cross-section. So what we have to wrestle with is why. That is absolutely true according to the Scripture, disobedience blocks. Why does disobedience hinder prayer? Why will God not answer the prayers of the disobedient? What is his reasoning? Because God always has reasoning. He doesn't just have arbitrary rules. So think about this. You've got to wrestle with the issue of why. Why does God not bless the prayer of the disobedient? Over here, what do you... Because God doesn't honor disobedience. But what does that mean? He doesn't honor disobedience. Well, if you're, if you're being disobedient or whatever... Okay, so Woody says it is an issue of testimony. In other words, if God uh, uh, blessed regardless of how we live, then why should anybody else uh, uh, alter their actions? That, that, that could be a possibility. Go ahead, David. Sin separates us from God, so God, and uh, because God is holy, yeah, that is that's true, and and there are numbers of reasons here. There's not one correct answer, uh, Casey. Okay, we're asking God to bless disobedience. Yes, you ever heard of people asking God to help them win the lottery? <laughs> I, I had a friend years ago. Uh, uh, in the church, Lisa and I went to this guy that uh, before he was saved, before he would go to the nightclubs, he said he had a, a, a huge crucifix. I think he said it was like three foot tall. He would kneel down and say, God, please help me to score chicks tonight. <laughs> right? So that, that's true. We laugh, but that, he was deadly serious. And if you saw his looks, he probably needed help. Okay. 
Dennis. You know, like having your cake and eat it too. If God blessed us in disobedience, why would we come to repent? Oh, very good. Okay. He hits a nail on the head is why should we obey if if uh, if God blesses our disobedience? Twister? It's right on the same, well, I say the same thing. We're, we're always in training. We're in training for what? Well, for, to be uh, holy like God. He's training us to to a place where we can be of his service. Okay, so uh, God is wanting uh, to uh, for us to be useful, to do His will. Okay, so that could be a, a part of it. Anybody else? There's something to add there. One more. Tim? Okay, yep, yeah, that does go back to uh, His righteousness. Okay, so the, these are all true. There are numbers. Let's Let's consider... Uh, uh, four issues, some of these that you you uh, obviously hit the nail on the head. So first of all is disobedience. Think about when we choose, and again, we're not talking about something that we have no idea what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Disobedience denies the rule of God in our lives. Whereas the issue is whether or not we will let God be God. What we are saying when we disobey is we are setting ourselves up as God, or we are taking God's place, that's literally, it doesn't matter what form of disobedience it takes, is we are saying, I will take uh, God's place. Genesis 3, 5. Okay, this is the essence of all uh, uh, sin. The original temptation was, you could be as God's. In other words, you know better than God. I know that God said you shouldn't, but hey, it's love. <clears throat> After all, you got to do what you got to do. You got to get ahead in this economy or any other reasoning that we use. It, it is disobedience at, it, at its rule is we are saying, God, you cannot be God. I know more than you. I have to or I need to or I want to do it this way, setting ourselves up as God. But the problem is that God is clear. He will not tolerate other gods. As a matter of fact, he fights other gods. Exodus 12, 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will, see him. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Okay, this is uh, uh, the, the children of Israel in, in Egypt, is that they are held in captivity. And if you look at the ten plagues, Moses goes to Pharaoh. God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, why should I? Why should I trust in your God and obey what he says? We have gods. We, we got our own system here. And they worshipped uh, uh, all these different gods. If you look at the ten plagues, is each of these were touching on a god that the, uh, that the Egyptians worshipped. They worshipped the sun, so God made it be dark. They worship the uh, prosperity that came from the Nile River, so he turns it into blood. And they worship frogs, and so God had uh, so many frogs come uh, that they're filling. The, and so these are literally, in our scripture here, uh, it is summing up. Here's the final night of judgment, and God says, I will strike the firstborn. And he says, against all of the gods... Of Egypt, I will execute judgment. So the issue of disobedience is not is not God, the the eternal policeman, writing a ticket. You you were you were point 
six of a mile an hour over. So I'm writing you a ticket is that the issue of disobedience is that we are denying his rule. And God says, I won't bless that. That is why when we come in prayer, he is looking at the way that we're living to see whether we agree that he is God. The second uh, uh, issue is that disobedience violates relationship with God. Listen to me here. God is not an energy force. Okay, it's not the force be with you. Is the Bible speaks about God in his personality. Or uh, uh, we could say as a, uh, 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 he's a person or he has uh, feelings. This is a relationship we're involved in. Matthew 6, verse 9. Okay, so this is now uh, the disciples come to Jesus. Uh, teach us to pray. What's all this uh, prayer all about and how do we pray? He lays out foundational is our father. This is uh, a relationship. He does not say our power who art in heaven, our energy force in heaven is our father. This is a, uh, a relationship. So very simply is do you find it easy to help and to bless people who violate you? People come up and say, man, you are ugly and fat. And can I borrow 20 bucks? <laughs> I mean, you know, come on, think about that. Uh, we would not, and there are many of you that you wrestle with this. You're in relationships, people who have uh, let you down, broken their word, and then they expect help. And it bothers you on the inside. Okay, in prayer, there is the same issue that God, in his personality, we are in a relationship. God is not a vending machine, right? In a vending machine, we were, Pastor Mitchell and I were in a hotel uh, Friday night. We were preaching in Las Vegas, and I went to the vending machine. I don't know the vending machine. I don't have to develop a relationship. I don't have to take it on a date. I saw it for the very first time. All it wanted was money. I put in the money, punched the correct button, and I got what I wanted and walked away. God is not a vending machine. That is how many people treat God, Right? I don't know you, I don't obey you, I never talk to you, I don't want to be in your presence, but I need something. Uh, uh, B for blessing, four. And there we go. And, and then they're upset. I said, why isn't God helping me? Because he's not a vending machine. This is a relationship. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 30. Okay, Ephesians 4 uh, it speaks a very powerful scripture. It is talking about... Uh, in the context of, of uh, relationships, actually. And it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. In that, uh, in that context, is this, this word grieve uh, is literally to, to vex, to upset, to irritate, to hurt. And so we're in this relationship. He says, listen, when you are living your life by your actions... He says it's possible that we are offending God and the same people who are in one breath offending God then turn around and say, now, God, please, can I have help? Can I have uh, stuff? And so the reason why disobedience blocks prayer, secondly, is because it violates relationship. The third thing, some of you hit this uh, uh, accurately, and that is that uh, if God blessed disobedience, it makes him a party to our unrighteousness. Right. In other words, then he he becomes a party to what we're doing wrong. I had in uh, in South Africa, they have a uh, 
um, uh, a custom when Lisa and I were living there. And a custom that was that couples who were to get married, they would ask a preacher to bless their rings. And so here they bring their rings that they're going to get married with. And uh, would you pray over them? You're going to, it's the blessing of the ring. That's a nice custom. They're invoking God. They want God's help. But the, the problem was, is how many people I had over the years who came, they had been living in fornication, breaking God's word. And then they show up and say, now we're going to get married. And would you play, uh, pray the blessing of the rings? So in other words, you're asking God, we don't want to do what you say. We deny your rule. We don't want a relationship with you. And so now bless our disobedience. I'm not talking about new converts who didn't know any better and, and uh, now they're uh, getting, uh, getting saved and want to make it right. I'm talking about people who had no intention of living for God, but they want God to bless now their disobedience. And so this is what I would often explain to people is this is why you need to live in purity before you get married is because you're going to need God's help. And so God doesn't bless disobedience. He doesn't want to be a party to what you're doing wrong. And uh, uh, so this is what happens in disobedience. And the fourth thing here, several of you hit on this in different ways, is that if God blesses disobedience, he removes the motivation to get right. Okay, how many of you here that you have known at some point in the past, of course, not right now, long time ago, you were doing things that you knew that you shouldn't or maybe you were oblivious, but God brought you face to face. There was a crisis. And because there was a crisis, you decided to change your ways. Any of you ever have that? You, oh, okay, now, I, okay, I see it now. I'm in a problem. And the problem forced you to come to grips with I shouldn't live this way. I want to get it right. That's a good thing. Okay? So, if we can live in disobedience, and then at any time in our disobedience, saying, God, now I need money, and I need healing, and I need help and all this, then there is no motivation to ever change. Okay? And that those are uh, uh, profound issues. And so... Um, this is all through the Bible, so there's a reason why answered prayer is dependent upon pleasing God, disobedience hinders. So, if we go back to our scripture then, much hindrance in uh, uh, prayer is rooted in relationship conflicts. Mark 11, 24 through 26. Whatever you say and pray, if you have anything against anyone, give me. Okay, this is a one of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Bible concerning faith and the power of God. If you could believe, the Bible says in the verses previous to this, you could say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. That was an ancient way. Your mountain was your biggest problem in life. What is your biggest problem in life? The Bible says God can change that. He can change the factors. He can turn things around. He can help you. And he says, if you can believe, that's... Uh, what the, the Bible uh, speaks about, you can have whatsoever you say. And, this is where we picked up in our scripture, and, or connected with that, God can help you, and if you have anything against anyone, because you are upset over what someone said to you, what someone did to you or did not do to you that you felt they should, 
The Bible says, forgive, so your Father in heaven will forgive you. And he says, but if you do not forgive, then your Father in heaven won't forgive you. So here's the connection now, is these people, God could do whatever, whatsoever it is. Whatever is your largest problem, God could change it. But he says that is connected to our relationships for all the reasons that we said before. And, uh, and more besides, God doesn't bless hatred and uh, all these uh, issues. First Peter 3, 7. Okay, this is now bringing this into the marriage uh, relationship, is uh, talking to uh, uh, husbands in the way that you treat your wife and gives the simple logic. Why should you uh, treat your wife with honor? Why should you treat her well? I don't feel like it. She's a, she's a, she's a witch. The Bible says, because this is in your self-interest. That scripture in Ephesians, he who loves his wife, loves himself. Why? Because it's in your self-interest. Is if you pray and you want your prayers to be answered, God really cares about your relationship. And the most uh, uh, intimate relationship we have is to our spouse. First John 3, 23. Okay, this goes back now to our scripture. Is pleasing God and answered prayer. And he winds this up and he says, and this is the commandment we should, number one, believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We've got no problems with that. And love one another as he gave us a uh, commandment. So if we hold on to uh, bitterness or wrong relationships or broken relationships, we should say, then the Bible says that our prayers be hindered. Okay, let's open. That should give us plenty of food for thought. You have a question or a comment uh, at that point? Something you want to add or something you want to ask? No. Matt? You got to know if we're doing like good stuff, just the good stuff will come back to us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that God blesses righteousness. He does. He rewards. That's a whole principle in itself. That's true. All right? Yeah, so he's he's talking about in eternity, and that and that is all true. That's a whole uh, subject in ourself. Uh, my concern, however, in this lesson is here. All right, our Father who art in heaven. And then it speaks about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I'm concentrating on is, is that uh, it's true. The eternal dimension of how we act and, and all the things, that is true. But uh, there are a lot of things that we need God to intervene here. So that's what we're concentrating on here. Somebody else? Question or an answer? Comment. Go ahead. Steve? Yeah, but it, it is crucial for us to understand in that word perfect, it is complete. It is not sinless or faultless. Because right there, we are all disqualified if, if, it, if it is uh, never making a mistake. So the word is actually, it means complete. So that, that would be a whole... Studying itself. Go ahead, sis. Your child, my child, I will probably just get a phrase and probably read the 
Flesh and blood has not revealed this, is the Father in heaven must reveal this. God is much better at this than we are. And so we, we, we pray, people set things up, their own pride, their own wisdom up as God's, and so God needs to, uh, he needs to take action against the gods of Egypt, which he's very good at. He can change the circumstances. Carol? The Bible says, ask that your joy may be full. And God, if you're doing right, often you go and, and when he answers the prayer, there is great joy in you because you see there's a connection with the supernatural quality. And so I've, I've uh, run across people sometimes who are living right, but they're afraid to ask God for their needs. And yet God wants us to because that relationship is a factor in that. Yep, that's true. God wants to help us. Okay, we got to talk uh, about a second thought and move along. I need a number of other scriptures. Uh, maybe on this side, uh, Phil can read 1 John 3, 21, George, James 1, 6 through 8, John Kern, Ezra 9, 6. Uh, who is that hand over here? Uh, Stephen. Second uh, Chronicles 7. Uh, 14. Matt is going to read Zechariah 3, 1 through 4. Kelly, 1 John 3, 20. Uh, Pete Davis, can you read Psalms 103, 13 and 14? Psalms 103, 13 and 14. Uh, one more. Uh, uh, Exodus 3, 6. Please, Matt. Exodus 3, 6. Okay. So let's talk about damaged confidence for a moment. So, principle number one is disobedience hinders Prayer. So our scripture deals with the issue of, of uh, confidence. One of the problems with, with uh, us when we disobey is disobedience destroys confidence. And uh, uh, so people who know that they're doing wrong, the problem is that they cannot come to God in faith because they suspect that they're not going to be heard. 1 John 3, 21. Okay, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence. That's the positive. Confidence is literally boldness or lack of fear. We're not afraid to approach God or not afraid that our, our prayers will, uh, uh, will not be hindered. But the reverse is true. He is dealing with people who lack confidence. And that is people who feel condemned, they do have fear. Uh, and they do not have faith. James 1, 6 through 8. But it has been faith, nothing wavers. For he that wavers is sudden. Not that one thing that you should be too faithful. Okay, and in this scripture, uh talks about a double-minded man. The, the connection is actually in, in prayer. <laughs> the previous verse says, if you, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He gives to all men liberally. In other words, he wants to help you. He wants to help you a lot. But then he says, but the person who's going to ask, don't doubt. Uh, and don't be a person tossed like the wind. And then he gives a, a visible picture. He says, 
a double-minded man uh, is unstable in all his ways, and the picture is literally the uh, like a drunk. That I have, a, I have a book at home. It's called The Drunkard's Walk. You ever, you ever watch someone who's who's really really drunk? They're they're back and forth. In other words, he's he's talking. The connection there is praying. There are people who is I I need to pray. God's going to help me. But then again, I haven't been doing the right thing. And so they're back and forth and back and forth. They have no confidence. They uh, it, it is talking about people who ask without faith. I know I should pray, but I don't really have confidence. Or people who are disobedient, actually they stop praying. This is uh, interesting, is that you see people that they have been uh, uh, in prayer. You, it's common to see them praying. And then when they stop, that's always a worrying sign because when we know we're doing wrong, one of the first things we stop doing is praying. Because we know in our heart, what's the point? Why should I get out of bed? Why should I go down? Why should I waste my time when uh, he's probably not going to help me? And so he's dealing with the issue of uh, confidence. Ezra 9, verse 6. Okay, Ezra is uh, recognizing this. He's uh, calling on God and he's saying, God, we are ashamed He's looking at the way his nation has been living. They're, they are in a crisis moment in the nation. The city has been destroyed. They need God to help. And they say, we're ashamed. We're, we're, we're embarrassed even to, to, to lift our faces and, and ask you for anything. There, there's a lack of confidence is what that is talking about. Okay, so disobedience damages confidence. Two issues we have to face here or two kinds of guilt, the first of which is genuine conviction. Some people feel bad because they've been doing bad. They feel bad because they're supposed to. Conviction or, or guilt is actually a gift from God. It's like pain. If you put your hand in a fire, it hurts. That's a gift from God. Pain is no fun, but that helps you. That's get your hand out of the fire. Guilt is that way. When you do wrong on the, on the inside, conscience is a self-testimony. There's a, it makes you feel bad. That's a gift. Not so that you feel bad till the day you die. It's so that you fix it. Just like get your hand out of the fire. Quit living that way that's making you feel bad. That is genuine, uh, uh, conviction. And the point is so that we will repent or we will change our mind. We will change our actions. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. For the thing I have boasted to him about you, I'm not ashamed. Kindness was found. Yep, they both had a C in them. Okay, how about I read it here? <laughs> Go ahead, Stephen. If my people who are holy will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Okay, and he read the verse verse. Very nice. I, I liked it, but just wasn't the right one. Okay, here's the, the scripture. God is uh, <clears throat> laying out a, a principle that is eternal. He recognizes, this goes back, uh, back to uh, Steve Welch's uh, question is here. He is recognizing the possibility and uh, the probability that God's people, they do not always do right. They do wrong. And he says, but if 
My people, if they have been doing wrong, if they'll humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and uh, pray, I will heal and, and forgive. And so God will get involved. So the first uh, kind of guilt, it is genuine. We feel guilty so that we will change. And there's always hope in conviction that it can be uh, fixed. But the second kind of guilt is false condemnation. Condemnation is not the same as conviction. Both make you feel bad, but the, the difference in one word is hope. In conviction, genuine preaching, it, it pierces the heart. We feel bad, why? So that you can fix it. This can be fixed. Come to the altar, you can change. And then God will, will answer, he'll help you. Condemnation's different. Condemnation also makes us feel bad, but it is with the absence of hope. You are a worthless individual. You can never change. There's no use in you even trying. Zechariah 3, 1 through 4. I have caused your iniquity to pass from you, and I will clothe you with a change of rain. Okay, this is God allowing us to see into uh, a spiritual realm. And uh, it is uh, talking about here is a, a chosen uh, man of God who is going to do God's will. And the Bible says that the enemy is standing there to accuse. He stands as the priest. He's going to come into God's presence asking for God's help. And the devil is standing to accuse saying, in other words, you shouldn't listen to this guy. This guy does not deserve help because he's made mistakes or he has sinned. And this is condemnation that he is uh, uh, not worth uh, being helped. Okay, one of the one of the issues that we have to face as believers in our church is we uh, we reach out to, to people who are not believers who are not saved, not been doing right. So we come to God with all the things we've done in the past. God forgives. But how many of you have ever been in church or you've ever been in prayer and the devil will remind you of something you did in the past? Okay, that's what this scripture is actually dealing with. Is there are people, God, whatever we ask, the Father can hear or answer prayer, but there are people who come and they're feeling condemned. First John 3, verse 20. Okay, if our heart condemns us, so the devil remind, what, what about? But it says God is greater than that because of forgiveness or, or perhaps this is a, a character based that you're not as good as these other people, but God, uh, knows all things. And so God is not demanding, uh, faultless perfection. He is merciful that we have to stress this. In the first point, we're talking about disobedient people. God will not help. That is true. But the point of that is not that for the rest of your life, if you make one mistake, God, that's it. I'm never helping you. That is not the point of this lesson, is that God is merciful. Psalms 103, 13 and 14. Father thinks his children, so the Lord thinks those who fear him. He knows our frame, remembers that we are dust. Okay, the Bible says God has mercy. Mercy means he doesn't give us what we deserve. And the Bible says, why? Because he knows what we're made of. Thank God for this. Is that, listen, God is not, not shocked. It's not like he knew that he got the cream of the crop when he got us. And if we make a mistake, he's like, how could they ever, how could they? I, know, I remember what they're made of. 
It was dirt, wasn't it? Yeah, he's not surprised by a bit of dirt. Okay, and Exodus 3, verse 6. Okay, they, Moses asked, when they ask, what is your name? What shall I tell them? God says, you tell them I am the God of Abraham. Yep, father of the faith. Isaac, sure. Jacob. This guy, he had, a, he made some serious mistakes in his life. And a less than stellar character, God identifies uh, with people like us. We're going to quickly uh, move on, get a, qu- a couple more verses here. So you make time for the wedding. Kelly's going to read uh, Joshua 5, 13 through 15. Stephen's going to read 1 John 3, 22. Uh, Eve, you want to read 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And one more, Dennis, James 5, 16 through 18. We close with this, is that God's answers. And that is, our scripture gives us the positive encouragement that people who seek to obey God, they please God. And this is because we're recognizing his lordship or letting him be God. Joshua 5, 13 through 15. Okay, this is uh, Joshua. God's people going into enemy territory. They're going to face battles. They desperately need God's help. And he meets. He doesn't recognize at first. This is God in a visible form. Joshua... He makes the mistake that a lot of us make is, is that, are you going to be on my side? And God says, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't get on people's side. I am the side. Will you take off your shoes? In other words, will you let me be God in your life? And the Bible says he took his shoes off. That was a sign of submission and trust that pleases God. So when we choose to obey, we're placing God's will above our own desires. And that's why. He, he is pleased, so he wants to help us. First John 3, 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him to give and keep. Okay. God answers our prayers. Why? Because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. First John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in the other. Okay. Confidence. And we can come to God with confidence. Why? Because he wants to help. He wants to answer prayer. James 5, 16 through 18. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Okay, this is James uh, uh, winding up all of his teaching is that God wants to help us. He helped Elijah. He was a man, a uh, human being just like us, had problems just like us. But he prayed, and God changed the factors in his life or uh, on earth in his situation. So this is what God wants, is pleasing God produces answered prayer. Okay, we got time for a couple questions or comments as we close. Phil? You're talking about guilt and condemnation. And uh, I remember being in a church service. There was a lady that came for prayer for migraine headaches she had every day. And I never forget how incredible it was. The pastor told her, these migraine headaches are linked to something you did in the past. 
and torments you. Is there's this guilt that is hung on way too long, and this is what's producing those headaches. And as soon as he said that, she just broke down weeping. He said, "You know what I'm talking about?" She said, "Yeah." He prayed for her, and God healed her not only of the headaches then, but the guilt, which was totally different. And I thought that was real interesting. Yeah, yeah. guilt produces many problems. Anybody else, sis? Okay. If guilt was useless. You should get rid of it. Yeah. 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 That's that's very good. Is is the psychology tries to. Get rid of guilt by denying it. Doesn't matter how you live, but it does matter how you live because God put that in there, and uh, so God takes care of guilt by fixing the real problem. Thank God. We'll uh, close there. Give time. Get ready for the wedding, and uh, God bless you. Ten thirty. We'll start.